Hello and a very warm welcome to the spiritguides.co.uk network radio. This week we've got Kirin Webb, the hypnotic prophet. Kirin works as a hypnotherapist and trainer for EOS Seminars Limited. He's the author of two books and a range of hypnosis CDs and MP3 downloads. Kirin's psychic awareness goes back to his childhood and over the years he has received many outstandingly accurate messages from spirit and even been saved from some life-threatening accidents which includes the now infamous 1987 October hurricane in the UK. Kerrin is currently broadcasting his Hypnotic Profit video series to share examples of his amazing encounters with Spirit and the important message that Spirit is sending out to the world at this time. Kerrin's videos are available on MySpace, YouTube, thespiritguys.co.uk and hypnoticprofit.com. Before we get started, Kerrin would like to read out a small disclaimer. Okay. Um, well, basically, uh, due to recent changes in English law, I need to state that what I say should be considered to be for entertainment purposes only, and that any psychic work attempted by me should be considered to be an experiment, and that no guarantee is offered or implied. Um, obviously, nothing that I say or do should be taken to mean that I'm advising anyone to either act or not act in any specific way. And finally, that my belief in the possibility of spirit communication and the survival of the soul is an integral part of my religion. Thank you for that, Kieran. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Ian. It's a great pleasure to be here again with you. I've been listening to some of your other shows uh, uh, with Gary and uh, Gregory, and they've been really outstanding. Thank you very much. I've got to say, it was really fun doing the last show as well. Some really good information coming through as well. And um, I've been listening to your video um, shows once again. Right. Um, some really good information in those shows. And um, one of the things I just thought would be really good to, um, I suppose, tell our listeners again, in case they didn't get to see your video podcast or video uh, broadcast, was the experiences you had around um, where you almost died, like your near-death experiences, um, one with the hurricane in 1987, I believe, and also yeah. the one with the truck as well. Fascinating stories, if you'd like to share those with us. Okie dokie. Yeah, well, uh, the 1987 one was, uh, I mean, the, the, the October hurricane is kind of infamous over here in, in the UK now. It was um, uh, a time when I think some callers had actually phoned into one of the weather reports and uh, the poor guy, Michael Fish, <laughs> whatever they report this, this, this poor guy comes up, you know, um, and he was, he was, I believe, questioned, was there going to be a hurricane? And I think he, he said basically there wasn't, and, and it turned out there was. And uh, that was the, would you believe, the time that I should decide to go to attend a seminar down on the south uh, coast of the UK and stay in a mobile home, which is not really the best thing to be in when there's a hurricane coming along. So I was attending this, this, um, this spiritual conference. It was on for eight days, and it was the, the, the conference had finished, and I was due to leave the... Um, the campsite, they'd, they'd taken over the whole of Camber Sands, which is a pretty big campsite down there, and then a, a neighbouring campsite um, as well. And uh, the campsite has lots of um, mobile homes and then kind of fixed bungalow homes there and then a large auditorium that people can use to give speeches and things of this nature. So the seminar had finished and it was the, uh, uh, the early morning of October the 16th and I was due to leave later that day. And I was um, awoken in the night in my mobile home in a start i was i was i was asleep and something shocked me and i i awoke and there was there was enough light for me to kind of be able to see the surroundings and i guess being that i'd just woken up my eyes were still adjusted to the dark and i looked above me and i was really kind of shocked because i saw these two humanoid um, shapes, winged humanoid shapes that seem to fluctuate between being winged humanoid and then like a pulsating energy. So one, one instant they were pulsating energy, the next instant they were humanoid shapes and it, it scared me. I was, you know, kind of lying in the bed in this mobile home and my instant, if you like, knee-jerk reaction was to make a fist so that if they came any closer to me, I guess my knee-jerk reaction was I would defend myself and I just looked at them for a few moments and it's like they were hovering or floating there and then after, I don't know, you know, it's probably seconds, um, they, they just disappeared and then the, the storm was building in force and I could feel it buffeting the mobile home that I was staying in and I, I felt inspired to get dressed because I was in, in the bedroom there and I, I felt inspired to get dressed. So I got dressed and I went into the lounge area and if, if the listeners have ever stayed in a mobile home, they know that some of the larger ones have got 
a lounge area with a large, if you like, settee that runs the length of one side of the wall. So you've got the door on one one side with like um, uh, a shelf on which will be a television and things like that. And the other side is basically um, a large settee so that people can sit there and watch the television. And near the settee is a table where people can eat their meals. So it's it's a pretty large chair. And um, I've made my way into the, this part of the mobile home. I feel... Um, and it's been a long time since it happened, but I kind of feel that I was inspired to leave the small bedroom area. And I began to pray because I was getting quite frightened um, because the storm was really starting to shake the mobile home. And then I, uh, after having prayed for a while, I laid out on the large um, settee that ran next to a full-length window. Oh, I just backtracked. Just before I did... I felt inspired. I'd had a um, like a party the night before and the table, I hadn't cleaned up the night before, so the table had cutlery and knives and forks and bits and pieces and a little voice in my head told me to move the table with, with, the, with the following words because if this thing goes over, then you could be hurt by what's on the table. So I pushed the table right to the back of the, the other side of the room and I was laying on the, the couch having prayed and then the next thing I knew... The mobile home was picked up, whole kit and caboodle, by the hurricane and lifted through the air. And I had the, the um, if you like, the lounge light on. And for the remaining split second that the electricity was still throwing, flowing through the power cable as the, the mobile home was picked up before it snapped, I can remember now, it's a vivid image and I can still see it now when I recall the incident. I was flying in midair. The television was coming off the shelf um, the other side of the room. All the cutlery that would have been proje- deadly projectiles and the table were also flying in the air, but they were, there was enough distance between me and them for me to avoid being hit. And I had the thought in my head as me, the mobile home, and all the, the furniture in the mobile home were flying through the air. I remember thinking to myself, there is nothing I can do about this. You often hear, you know, um, when people are in, you know, like they do parachute jumps and things like that, and if the parachute doesn't open, I've I've subsequently remembered hearing that people say when they're falling to earth and they realise there's nothing they can do about it, there's almost like a sense of peace or something that comes over them. And it was it was not dissimilar to that. There was a sense there was a sense in me that I knew I you know I couldn't wrestle with anything. I couldn't you know, push the tables away or force the mobile home back to earth. There was just a resignation that there was nothing I could do about this. And then the next moment, the, everything went black and I found myself literally floating some distance away into some soft, soft wet grass. Now, I'll describe it to you. My, I guess um, my body was what you would call prone. So my head was facing one direction. My legs were in, obviously in the other direction and my arms were running the length of my body. And I landed kind of neck head first skidding gently landing into some soft wet grass so it was a really soft landing so it's almost like levitation it it was it was like that you know and i i I still don't know to this day now i've tried to put the pieces together in and i've wondered whether i came out through that full length window and maybe that's why i was guided to move into that room because the other room i was in was a little it had like a little um skylight kind of window so there wouldn't have been the room if i did physically go through a window there wouldn't have been the room for me to crash through it but i i, I really don't know how i left the building um all, all i all i know is one instance i was flying in the air with all this cutlery and television and everything crashing around and then the next thing i was landing some distance away really gently it was like i just kind of uh, floating and then skidding down into this soft wet grass and the mobile home was was decimated it was um it was it was smashed to bits the roof the walls uh, crushed the the um the base of the mobile home has like a um a steel i guess it's a steel base with wheels on it for it to be transported well that was upside down so if you like the base was now kind of flat on the floor just a few inches above the floor everything that would have been between the ceiling and the floor crushed beyond recognition i um had a blue Ford Cortina. I often <laughs> subsequently joke it was a higher car. Well, it's not anymore. It's a lower car because <laughs> it, it, it was crushed by the force of the mobile home really? when it must have bounced on it. Yeah. Crikey. And um, there was a, uh, a wall next to that which was smashed down. So all of these, uh, you know, um, the, the vehicle, the wall, the mobile home, which were much more sturdy than I am, 
were, were absolutely broken to bits. Yet I, and I've, when I've written about this, I've used this expression, I am mere flesh and blood human being, landed some distance away, and I was practically unscathed other than I sustained one small cut to my left ankle, and they, I was taken to hospital for a check over, and I, I needed just one stitch. That was it. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. To be honest, Kerry, and I don't think that you really needed to have any cuts. I think Spirit just gave that one little cut to make it look like it was human, a human well, experience. <laughs> you know, you're probably right there. They make it, you know, that yes, I am you're just a human being. But, it, it, you know, when I kind of look back over it, you know, in, in the instant, it's weird in these kind of situations. I guess you kind of, you're functioning on adrenaline and things like that. And just after it happened, um, uh, I and other people at the the um, the the seminar place, the, the the mobile home park, we then began to evacuate other homes, knocking on doors and getting people into the main auditorium. And it didn't really hit me until we were sat there, and I don't know, maybe there's about a hundred people in the auditorium. We were all kind of that was the, the the most solid building around, and we were all in there. And I can remember that suddenly I was sat on the floor. And it's before I went to the hospital, sat on the floor, and then suddenly the enormity of it hit me, and it, I was kind of shaken then. But in 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 the in the moments afterward, in fact, for quite some time afterwards, I was just on adrenaline. Um, but when I look back over it, I was I was you know really lucky to be alive. Incredible. Yeah. So it was, was your mobile home the only home to be damaged? Well, um, the area was actually very severely damaged. I was on a coach. Later that day, going to London, I needed to obviously get a car written off. I needed to, um, I managed to hitch a, a ride on a coach that was coming to pick up, I guess, a party of people. And they were going up to London. So I joined in the journey with them and then I caught a coach back from London to Bournemouth. Um, but as we were going to the other, I think we, we drove up to the other mobile home park that they'd hired. I think it was Romney or I think it was called Romney, about eight or ten miles away. I remember seeing boats um, like, yachts and things like that washed up onto the road um there were massive trees as we did the journey to london ripped off ripped over and pulled down the mobile home adjacent to mine was the end of that had been taken off and i think that was the impact of my home as the wind was kind of a bit like dorothy out the wizard of oz i guess when the house is lifted off it's like spinning and i guess it was kind of that similar action as it was thrown around because it, it must have swirled around and literally swiped the end of the other mobile home but in in the actual caravan park that i stayed in i think mine was the only one that was mm. was picked up and thrown over like it was yeah so have you ever sensed a, a kind of greater purpose to that experience yeah i you know I, I look back in and there have been other situations and i i think that it was not time for my number to be up i wasn't meant to die then i could have died then and i could have died in other situations and i haven't and my senses um that I'm around, you know, I think everybody's here for a purpose and I think I had not fulfilled my purpose. So spirit kind of said, uh, uh-uh, you know, you, you're meant to stay around, you've got something to do. And they made sure I, you know, I survived. So do you think someone's trying to kill you off because you're a light worker and the spirit is saying, no, leaving is too good. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> uh, if they said it with that kind of almost wry smile in their voice, <laughs> I think I'd have a chuckle with them. I, you know, I, I think there are, um, there are dark forces at work in the world and um, I, I think they, they do make life difficult for light workers. I, I mean, I agree. Um, I, mean, I do say that tugging cheaper, obviously, but I know you've had other experiences as well that you're going to lead to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah I, I think there are dark forces at work and they do. Whether, um, you know, I don't know whether it was dark forces. If, if spirit were to to tell me one day, yes, Karen, and it was, you know, it was um, dark forces that wanted to bump you off, <laughs> then I'd believe it, it you know, yeah. if it came through that way. But I'm also quite open to the fact that I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time on the, you know, the October hurricane, and I was protected in that context. Um, so I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, but, you know, I, I do know I survived it, and I do know it was a miraculous thing that I, one instance I was lying in bed, the next I was awoken, and there before me, the, I kind of call them like angelic beings with wings hovering before me. Then sometime later, I was prompted to move what would have been deadly projectiles through, like, we would call it clairaudience, um, which I did. And then the whole mobile home was picked up and I was saved. So, um, you know, whatever the, the deep structure of the situation was, I guess I, I'll find out when I cross over myself. Um, but it certainly was an amazing experience. 
Indeed. I mean, what about the um, the, the truck thing? Because that's quite um, that's, that's nearly as bad, really, isn't it? I mean, it could have been quite a destructive death. Uh, absolutely. Like. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this happened years before, Ian. Um, it was the early 1980s. I'd not long moved to Bournemouth. I grew up in Winchester. Um, and then from 1981 to 83, my parents, would, we lived in pubs. And they they sold the pub in Winchester and went and lived in a pub just outside of Yeovil for a couple of years, just equidistance between Yeovil and Sherborne. We were there two years. And then as a family, we upped again and we moved to Bournemouth. And I'd not long been in Bournemouth. And uh, my first job I I found when I was here was working for a Texaco filling station as a cashier. And I I lived a couple and a half miles away from where I worked. So I often used to cycle into work. And it was one... One afternoon, I believe I was doing an afternoon shift. I used to do shifts two till ten and seven till three. And I was cycling in for the afternoon shift. And there's a, a pretty long road in Bournemouth called Wimborne Road um, that runs for miles. It's probably about seven miles long, five, seven miles long, something like that. And I was cycling along Wimborne Road. And um, for those of you know listeners that know me, um, for those that don't, you're about to find out. I've been a big Elvis fan all of my life. So I was cycling along singing an Elvis song to myself out loud and as uh, one instance there I was just having a great time cycling to work singing and the next instant I felt myself being lifted bodily out of my out of the seat of my bike and if you like pulled rapidly through the air um, and I kind of went head over hills and I landed in the middle of the road there was traffic coming the other way um, and obviously traffic coming in the, the same side of the road that I was on and again, I landed really softly. I was head over heels and I just picked myself up in the road. And then I realized what happened. I'd been run over by a truck. And what had happened, this truck, it turned out, I found out after I, I caught up with the truck because it carried on driving for a while. So I sprinted down the road shouting at the driver. And uh, I think what happened, the drivers that were coming in the other lane were flashing or, or doing something to attract this driver's attention. And as it turned out, this this guy had a... Um, I think they call them flatbed trucks. It was a truck with like a, a flatbed behind it um, and a load of scaffolding poles. And he hadn't attached the scaffolding poles, tied them down safely. So what had happened, as he'd been driving along, they they kind of made themselves loose and they began to overhang the side of the truck on the left-hand side by several feet. So as he, obviously going faster than I was, as he came down the road and began to overtake me, uh, whilst he thought he'd allowed enough room between me and him, to make it a safe manoeuvre with these scaffolding poles hanging over the edge of the truck. Of course, it wasn't. That that, that room had been closed. Um, however, to me, it didn't feel like I'd just been bashed over the back of the head and the neck by, you know, heavy scaffolding poles. It felt like I'd been picked up and pulled through the air safely. Um, and again, it was it was kind of weird. It was, it was either the same day or a, a day or two or three later an almost identical accident happened in Dorset. It was on the evening news. And um, if you can hear some groaning in the background, that's one of my dogs. He sat next to me. Um, there, was, there was an almost identical accident in the news that really underscored it for me just how serious this was. Because unfortunately, in that situation, the person actually died. But in, in the situation I was in, it didn't feel like I'd been impacted at all. It just felt like there I was, cycling and singing, and the next instant... I was picked up and pulled safely through the air, um, and again, it was it was absolutely incredible. So he wasn't the same truck driver as the other one, was it? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I didn't. I don't remember his number. <laughs> I, I'll have to do some search on the internet and find but out. I mean, I mean it's, it's a crazy experience, isn't it? I mean, in both scenarios, you're lifted to a yes. safe location, aren't you? Yeah, and that experience, was... and you think, you know, like obviously, why? Why would why would your your spirit or why would you go through such a horrendous experience, which is teetering on life and death in such a destructive way, um, and then each time you're saved? You know, I, you know in, um, in in shamanic tradition, and I've often noticed um, parallels in some of my experiences. Oftentimes, as a as a person, if you like, is being the the, the spirits are developing the spiritual gift with them. They often have to die or come close to death and there's um, a wonderful author I'm maybe going to mispronounce his name but it's, it's written Holger Kalwait which I think is H-O-L-G-E-R K-A-L 
W-E-I-T, Holger Calwate, and he writes on uh, shamanic law and studies um, shaman and shamanic experiences. And he and other writers have often cited the fact that shamans often often die or have near-death experiences and things like that. And it seems to be, for some reason, and I don't fully understand why, um, that there often is this brush with death that happens. I, I mean, I can give you another situation that I haven't covered on the, the, the videos. Um, again, when uh, soon after we moved to Bournemouth, I was mugged by um, a bloke and two women. Um, we we um, originally moved to a shop, and one evening, it was about 11 o'clock, I heard a smashing sound against the front of the shop. So I ran down the stairs. The entrance to the shop was at the back. We lived in a flat above it, so there wasn't a direct entrance down to the shop. So I ran down the back stairs and ran around the block to get to the front of the shop. And what had happened was um, these guys must have come out of a pub and they were probably a bit worse for wear for drink. And they'd picked up um, a milk crate that we left outside for the milkman the next day. And they'd thrown it against the side of the shop and it had smashed. So I, being quite naive, I was in my early 20s, I walked up to them and said, you know, what do you do that for? Which is not what they wanted to hear. And the three of them pulled me to the floor and they began to kick me about the upper head and the upper body. And um, my father was aware of what was happening and he, he got in the car and driven around. He didn't, you know, he was older than me, so he didn't run as fast as I did. And he managed to pull them off me. And then a fight ensued. I kind of warded the guy off. Um, and the police arrived and they began to arrest the people and the guy had run behind a taxi rank that was over the road and he came back with a house brick and he threw it at my head now I, I, I've done a little bit of martial arts training since this but other than doing a bit of judo when I was a kid back in the 1970s I hadn't done anything like karate but this house brick came right at me and somehow I managed to karate chop the house brick away from me um, and again, I wasn't injured. I'd sustained lots of kicks around the upper head, the body. The only time I can remember I was phased was um, when my dad had come around and began to pull the three of them off me. I stood up and one of the women there took her uh, shoe off. She had like a stiletto kind of shoe. And holding the front part of the shoe, she used the heel like a hammer. And she hit me directly across the top of the head. And f for a split second, I almost felt like the impact was going to cause me to pass out. Um, but I, I managed to recover and um, having sustained all of those injuries, that was the only one that phased me. And again, I, you know, there were no long term consequences other than a bit of shock at the time that it happened. So there have, there have been quite a few incidents um, yeah, yeah. like that. I mean, I know I've, I've read some um, instances where people have died, had near death experiences, and then they come, they come back with um, psychic ability. Or right. a, do you see what I mean? It's almost like something happens to the brain in a, um, a moment of crisis, a moment of stress, or in a moment of near death or something like that. And it's almost, it does something to the brain. So I guess what I was leading to was, did you have any abilities or any kind of psychic premonition abilities before any of your near-death kind of experiences? I did, but I think... Around about that time, if you like, things started to kick up a gear. I mean, um, when I was back at school, back in, again, the 1970s, I went to a school in Winchester called Montgomery of Alamein School. And uh, one of my teachers once saw me leaving class. And I had, I'd just been to Winchester Library and I, I had a load of books with me and they were on like the paranormal and psychic stuff. And he, he asked me what they were. And once he saw the titles, he invited me back after class. And he did some Senecard tests on me with like the circle, the wavy line, the square and things like that. And he ran a number of tests and he said I was scoring significantly higher than chance. Um, and the other thing, it's kind of weird. I, I mentioned I lived in a pub when I grew up in Winch. Uh, once I was old enough to go into a pub. Actually, before I was old enough to go into a pub. Keep <laughs> me straight with you now. Um, when I was about 16... Um, and I used to go into the, uh, the pub and I'd put like um, Elvis records on the jukebox. Of course, there would be lots of other records, people that, lots of other people had put their money in. But I could almost guarantee very often that, you know, the, the songs that would be popular at the time, Dire Straits, ELO and things like that. Um, but I could almost know in advance when the next song was going to be an Elvis song and I would know what song it was going to be very often. So it was kind of almost a latent ability there. But um, from about the 1980s and then certainly through the 1990s and this decade, things have really kicked up a gear. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's more to, to do with you being on your pathway now, I guess. You've kind of landed where you need to be. This is the kind of work you, ne- you need to be doing. You're doing the, um, the, the therapy work that you do. Um, and I guess if you're, if you're on your main spirit pathway, then everything starts to open up anyway, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. And I think, I think that the point you're making there is uh, right in that I, un- I understand what my pathway is. So whereas before I wasn't really practicing um, tuning into spirit, um, you know, entering into communication, now I do on a daily basis. Most days I spend time either doing a shamanic trance or um, kind of a more, if you like, mediumship uh, style channeling talking to my guide so I make it a regular part of my daily life whereas you know then it was it kind of almost happened in a haphazard way I guess when they wanted to catch my attention um, whereas now I actively seek to communicate with spirit okay just moving on now actually um, I'm going to discuss the the lightning prediction that you got oh, last nice. time yeah because um, um, you know you got some really good um, hits on that didn't you with regards to the is it Atlanta airport control tower yeah um, Sorry, go ahead, yeah. No, no, I mean, it's just uh, if you just want to sort of tell people about that, really. I mean, we did put up information on the website as well. Um, it would be nice to fill people in on the podcast about what happened after you gave that prediction in the last show. Thanks, Ian, yeah. Well, um, p- people will remember that listened to the last podcast that uh, I made a prediction that there was going to be something like a freak lightning strike. I got a sense it had been coming to me, I guess, over a period of about a week. So I felt reasonably confident to, to share the prediction. And uh, it was a sense of a freak lightning strike that was either going to strike on or near a building. Um, and also got the sense it could have been a monument. So there was a sense it was either a building or a monument. It would either be a direct hit or it would be a close call and it would be such that it would make the news in a, in a big way. And then I think it was about – I don't have the dates with me, but I reckon it was about four days afterwards, um, Atlanta Airport in the USA – which they cite, the news reports, Fox News and others, I believe, is citing as the world's busiest airport. Um, there were freak lightning storms in America, and Atlanta Airport, being the world's busiest airport, also has the world's tallest control tower. Now, apparently, um, the control tower is protect- protected against lightning strikes, at least so they thought, but even with all the state-of-the-art protection that it, it has, um, lightning either hit it directly or close by, which was amazing because that was one of the senses I got with the, the message. I couldn't kind of figure out whether it was a direct hit or close by. And the um, people that had done the research on this say they don't know whether it was either a direct hit or close by. But regardless of whether it was or direct or not, um, it was powerful enough to knock the um, control tower out of whack, um, severely affecting the, the, um, the through flow of traffic. And what was also remarkable, people that have worked there for a long time have said that never in all the time they've worked there has either the current control tower or the previous control tower ever had a lightning hit like that. And also, um, nearby, I believe it was in Atlanta too, there was, I think it was an apartment block that took a direct hit. And if I remember correctly, the last I heard, the authorities there were um, undecided whether the, the building would be habitable again. Um, and also other parts of America, over a period of about two or three days, um, there were other freak lightning events. So it, it really was you know, kind of spot on within about, I think it was about four days later after the radio show that it, that it happened. So, I mean, when you get these predictions, do you always feel that it's going to be imminent? Or... Yeah, they usually... They usually happen within a few days or a few weeks. Sometimes at the outside, it's a few months. Sometimes I see a little bit further. Um, and occasionally, well, there, there are, I think I've mentioned to you privately, and I can't remember what I mentioned on the last radio program. But I think I probably did. There are about three, um, if you like, predictions that have come through to me concerning um, people that are in the public eye. That one of them is about a year and a half ago. I, I I got it, and others have been several months now that haven't come true. So either I, I've I've totally got that wrong, or spirit is showing me further ahead. But it's generally a few days or a few weeks or you know a couple of months yeah. or so. So I mean, retrospectively, with the um, with the lightning strike one, was was there stuff that you see in the vision um, that you may not have given away initially? Because you know, obviously, you can't give too much away because it's really sticking, uh, putting your neck out there on the line. Is there stuff that you saw retrospectively that tied more into what actually happened? Well, I did get a sense afterwards. I can't remember it was afterwards. It was either before and I didn't say it, um, and I just kind of left it a little bit more open. 
um, or it was retrospective and I can't remember but there was a sense that came through of an airport and the other thing I did get and I, I listened over to the radio show because that reminded me that I also commented on the, the fact that it could have been a monument and one of the things that kept standing out was I kept getting an image of the Statue of Liberty. Now, I didn't say that at the time, and I can't remember, as I say, whether that came through to me direct, whether it was afterwards more clearly or whether it had come through before and I just held, kind of held on to that. But I kept getting this image of the Statue of Liberty, and a part of me kind of expected the Statue of Liberty might get a strike as well. But in retrospect, I think probably what it was was Spirit was showing me, you know, the Statue of Liberty is like it's iconic of America, and I think probably that was their way of saying this is the United States. They're showing me, you know, like if we would have... If, um, if uh, an American was shown Big Ben, they'd probably say, ah, oh, it's England or London. And I guess that's where that was coming from. So with the uh, the people that you mentioned, I, I take it you've not given that information out. It's probably it's quite sensitive, isn't it? Sorry, say again. Oh but no, you, you I, mentioned right. Yeah, yes, no, I haven't. No, no they're, they're public figures. Exactly. Yeah, it could be quite um, yeah sensitive information. Yes. Um, is there any any other sort of prophecies that you have? Or I know that you talk about the big shock. Right. Um, event and I know that the big shock event is at the moment it's you're not giving too much away of what you see um, I just wanted to find out that obviously because you obviously don't want to give too much away I believe that if you've got information as a prophecy it's, it's extremely it's, an, it's, an, it's a huge responsibility for someone to have and it's very difficult to give information away because it can either um, I don't know, inspire someone to live that prophecy yeah. or you can almost um, I don't know create fear that they might bring it into fruition as well so I know it's very difficult to um, bring out prophecies and I, I, I have been sort of reading a lot of research by a number of people across the internet that do give prophecies and, and most of them do keep their cards close to their chest and will only really give away very vague pieces of the puzzle um, but almost like enough that when the event happens they can say it was such and such and such so it's almost like a bit what, like what Nostradamus was doing and a lot of people obviously criticise that saying well you know he's very vague and everything you can make anything out of that but I guess in the time that he lived he could have been um, killed or burnt at the stake um, yeah. and, and times are, very, are not so dissimilar now I mean you wouldn't be burnt at the stake but you could be um, legally crucified um, or worse um, but anyway I just wanted to find out really was that with your big shock event I mean do you, are you aware of the more granular details of that or at this stage you just got a feeling of something quite big happening um, I, I, I agree totally with what you're saying about you know people like Nostradamus kind of keeping their cards close to their chest and you know I, I go back to spirit regularly um, and I, I keep asking them you know am I getting the message right you know they're giving me all these proofs about um, events that have you know that have, like the lightning strike and things like that um, so they, they've shown me time and time again but I consistently check back with them am I getting this right you know um, I I have been, if you like, I've used the expression on my recent video, I think, that I've been a tough nut for them to crack. Yeah, they've had to prove themselves to me for so many years now that um, I, I, I'm sure, as I can be, that the message about the big shock is correct. Um, sometimes on a... And I really appreciate you saying this, Ian, about, you know, the responsibility of it, because I'm aware that um, people that have kind of known me before, if you like, I kind of came out and said that I'm getting these prophecies and things like that. I, I, it's quite likely that some people that were kind of uh, predisposed towards me in a, a, a positive way might think, oh, you know, he's kind of a bit wacky or whatever now. So there is that, there is a certain amount of trepidation. Not enough to stop me. They've proved, you know, I, I feel I would be foolish not to take the message forward after the amount of proof that I've been given. Um, but the, the, there is that kind of trepidation there a little bit that, you know, well, what will people think? And, you know, sometimes I I kind of wonder, well, I, I think it would be easier just to be able to share with people the amazing, if you like, the precognitive elements on a, on a general basis without the big shock bit. But they do keep reiterating that the reason they've, they've allowed me to notice these other things in advance is that I can tell people the story about these things 
um, which is both interesting to people and also then, I guess, kind of gets people's attention and makes people wonder, well, if this has happened so often and he's been so right about this, then might that not mean that the other stuff that he's prophesying, if you like, is is um, going to be accurate too? Now, when I talk to spirit, they, you know, so I need encouragement just as much as anybody else. And sometimes when I like in the last couple of days when I've gone back and I've said to them, you know, am I right about this? They have reminded me that I'm not the only person that's getting these kind of prophecies. And the other thing that they've underscored it with with me, which I find very helpful, is it's not just, if you like, psychics and prophets that are getting this message, but people that work at the forefront of climate change and global warming and the environment are also saying that we've got something between about, depending who you listen to, somewhere between about four and 30 years to reach a tipping point. And sometimes that, when I, when I listen to that, that helps encourage me in the message, if you like, that Spirit have given me to carry on um, kind of going for it. Now, in relation to the big shock, um, I, I have pretty much shared everything that they've given to me. They did tell me the other day, yesterday or the day before, I'm not meant to know everything yet. And, I, and whether, I, whether I will know everything about the big shock, I, I don't know. But what they have told me is I do understand the overall dynamics and the overall dynamics are that we're going to see more problems with the environment. We're going to see more problems with things like terrorism and violence and things of that nature. Um, I think people are going to become even more disillusioned with our so-called world leaders and um, globalization and things of this nature so that people are actually going to, if you like, this the, um, what was that movie with Keanu Reeves? Um, Matrix. Matrix, the Matrix, yeah. You know, people are going to, they're going to pop the right colored pill and they're going to start to wake up from the consensus reality that we've all subscribed to and we're going to start to reevaluate the world in which we live. And uh, I think at that point when people are really going to be starting to question and make significant changes to the way we live, the sense I got in, in the last few days, and it's, I guess it's kind of been bubbling away in the background with the prophecies they've been giving me, but more clearly in the last two or three days they've made me aware that there's going to be some catal catalyst, an event that's going to be a catalyst. So all of these things will be happening. People will be thinking differently about the way the world is structured and be looking for something different and something better. And then something I think is going to happen, and I don't know whether it's going to be a confrontation between some major powers, the risk of a confrontation, or whether you know there's a potential of climate change is going to just tip the other side of the, you know, the the other side of the fence, so to speak, and get worse. But something is going to stop people short, and they're going to kind of back up in a large number, I believe. Um, and that's when we're going to see a major change in the way the world works. But what that catalyst, that if you like, the the pivotal event is, I don't know. And they've told me it's, it, you know, I'm not meant to know at the moment. So, uh, look, I mean, is it okay to read out some prophecies by other people? Is that oh, sure? Go ahead, yeah, please. Yeah, okay. Um, today, interestingly, there was um, the news that North Korea have tested a nuclear missile. Uh, six miles underground. Yeah, okay. scary. And also launched two test missiles as well. Yeah. Um, so there seems to be quite a lot of um, negative behaviour coming out of North Korea. Um, now, there's two groups of um, people that I've been researching who've been releasing their prophecies. Um, one of them is um, Half Past Human, which is stroke urban survival as well. And they use a method called WebBot, um, which scans the text on on the internet really written by humans which is really tapping into the great unconscious if you like right. yeah. and through that they have predicted this year and, and they class this year as the year of transformation right. so they see it as the year where lots of things happen mm -hmm. um, and then obviously then we have to pick up the pieces um, and they they do see some kind of confrontation between North Korea and South Korea oh, right. whether that's nuclear or not um, they in the, you, you know you have to read between the lines when they write stuff because again they're very vague and they won't give everything yeah. away but it, it sounds quite scary and they're thinking that there might be some kind of altercation between North Korea and South Korea um, and they mention some big global coastal event as well where they see perhaps sea level rising now right. this is this is supposed to be for this year so we don't have long really to see if they're right or wrong mm. but in, in any case um, I think both of those events would be earth-shatteringly big 
Yes. And um, so I just wondered if 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 you had a similar mindset around that kind of picture as well. You know, it's like a co- global coastal event. It's almost like environmental. Yeah. Um, but then you've got altercation between nations, which you mentioned as well, which yeah. could be something to do with North Korea, um, which is something that you can see almost playing out now anyway. I mean, why the hell would they be wanting to test nuclear missiles underground sure. and then at the same time fire test missiles? You know, yeah, if that's the not for... Muscles. It, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So. yeah, and Iran too. I mean, Iran, Iran is, 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 is a big worry. Uh, and then another area is China, of course, because China used to largely keep themselves to themselves, although they're a massive power. But what I've noticed in the news in the last last uh, I guess few months they've actually begun to project their power out there now around the world so they're sending their navy whereas before they didn't really do that they're now beginning to project their power um, and of course coupled with their their newfound economic wealth we potentially will see a power struggle both um, above the scenes and behind the scenes between the US and China um, and things of this nature so I think there are you know, North Korea uh, you know as well there are lots of um, potential flashpoints out there for something to happen, and you know it might be. See, North Korea, as you rightly said, they're flexing their muscles, and it's almost like they're kind of cocking a snoop at the U.S. and the, the other allies. Whereas um, other situations could be unintended. You know, like um, wasn't it a, a Chinese and American ship came to blows or, right. or something like that? Not so many months ago, something that could happen unintentionally yeah, then escalates yeah. because nobody's yeah. prepared to back down. You know, kind of a macho thing. Well, there's there's quite an intrinsic um, relationship between America and China. It's you know up till now China's needed the consumers of America, and right. America's needed the goods from China. So there's been this very strong relationship, consumer relationship, and a lot of um, Chinese, I'm led to believe, have put a lot of money into America because a lot of these Chinese were earning a lot of money through their businesses. You know, up until last year they were booming, and so a lot of them invested in American companies. And of course now it's not looking too great you know the, the the financial nightmare is collapsing or the, the cleansing whatever you want to call it so yeah. um it's going to hurt a lot of chinese as well so but i guess if you look at it from um if you're trying to sort of raise the consciousness and look at it from a much higher perspective yeah. that it's a global drama that's happening so all these things are happening to every nation in one respect it's almost like people being tested and I think that eventually it's going to probably bring out something else in all of us. So we get to this pivotal point that what you're talking about, and people will really, really will only question and and go inwards, I guess, when they hit something that's quite scary. You know, it's like when people are confronted with death or some very, very nasty situation, they cry out cry for God or something, but they may never have even worshipped a God in their entire lives. But the moment of, you know, being killed or whatever, they cry out to God. It's almost like this could happen to each and every you know, individual on the planet. Um, we get to a point which is quite humbling in a way that makes us seek something much better. And the word you use, this is um, interesting, and you use the word tested. And when I was talking with Spirit again in the last couple of days, um, they drew my attention to, there have been some wonderful books written recently by um, leading uh, uh, astronomers and physicists and biologists that are are talking about how they um, see intelligent design you know, behind uh, creation, the world, not necessarily in the, the literal biblical seven days of creation, but something that suggests that there is, there is intelligent design behind the way the world works. And Spirit kind of drew my attention to the fact that if that, that there's enough proof, if you like, there's enough evidence in the world to, to demonstrate to people that want to see it that there is an intelligence, a, 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 you know, a powerful, loving intelligence that is um, that creates things so that life is the state of order, if you like. That you know, plants, trees, animals, people, um, and then there are there's a lot of the scientists that are, I mentioned last time. I think Arizona State University that have done work with people like John Edward and other mediums that have come up with some incredible information. Um, other universities that are proving things like psychokinesis and remote viewing. Um, we've got lots of channelers and mediums that are bringing through some incredible evidence 
um, that's suggestive of life after death and spirit communication. So there's lots of evidence there. But the sense I got was that spirit was kind of saying, if we all walked around with a guardian angel visibly watching over our shoulder, then lots of people would do what's right, not because it comes from inside, but because it would almost be under duress. You know, the Gabriel or Michael would be stood behind them and they kind of think, oh, I better not make that bad decision because, you know, Gabriel's watching. Whereas when spirit is, if you like, one step removed and whilst the evidence is very clear and whilst spirit is accessible in in various ways, by being one step removed, it actually causes we as people to make the decisions not under duress, but because we want to do the right thing. And that's, that's kind of one of the reasons, the sense I've got is why spirit is, if you like, close, but not so close that they're visibly in view all of the time. It's because it helps us in, in the process of developing character, which is what I believe we're here to do. So we've, um, there's, a, there's a quote that I actually wanted to read out, actually, um, to do with taking action, actually. Right. Um, and that's a, a quote by Einstein, okay, that said, for evil to succeed, good men do nothing, okay. And right. the reason why I'm bringing that quote here is, is that I think a lot of spiritual people um, get to a point in their development where you are in a state of bliss, okay, and you, you, your life's in harmony, okay, yeah. because, uh-huh. you know, we get to a point where we've, we've dealt with all the issues in our life we've kind of worked on ourselves and then it's very easy to stay on a plateau and just be in this blissful state and I for one have been in that place as well Um, but I'm getting to a point now where I'm thinking that the best people on this planet are the spiritual people but many of them are kind of almost plateaued that they're thinking that I don't need to do anything I'm just in my bliss everything's going to be okay which is true but also, I also believe that we need to also take action as well, positive, positive action. And yeah. obviously, I think the spirituality comes into it where rather than making choices through anger or, you know, choices that are just lashing out or knee-jerk um, choices, that a spiritual person can make really good uh, choices that are that can make long-term change and benefit because they come from the right place. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and um, and I just before I just go on to that one is this that yeah. there's a there's a guy in America called Ron Paul who's um he's a congressman and he's been fighting probably not, wrong words not well, I shouldn't use fighting really but he's been um, championing championing I guess the yeah. good word uh, for quite a few years now to get the Federal Reserve audited um, to really bring out what's been going on behind the scenes and he's been a small voice it's been getting louder and louder and louder and more people are taking notice what this guy's got to say now I for one think don't think this guy's got any kind of spiritual teaching he's not someone that would meditate every day who would um, be a Buddhist or, or whatever but he's working from the heart so he's yeah. someone that is working with spiritual ways but not necessarily being paralysed to do nothing so I just wanted to really sort of inspire people to do to do whatever they can like, and I think when you can do something good it's working from your passion so if you feel that your passion is working with children work with children if you feel that writing and putting knowledge out there it's going to help people do that if you feel like you can do healing do that and so I just wanted to just discuss this. I think this would be a really good topic for discussion. What are your views on that, Kevin? Well, I I, uh, I was actually on um, the Spirit Guide's website the other day, and somebody posted the video, haven't they? Um, yes. Ron Paul's video, and I watched it, and I, I I agree with you. He's championing, and he's standing up and saying what needs to be said. And I think very often, uh, like the quote Einstein that uh, you, you quoted, Einstein said, it's important, I think, to do at least two things. Not only do we need to do if you like be out there doing good and being proactive but we also need to resist evil because if we kind of um if you like very spiritual but and almost kind of avoiding the fact that there are there is not good stuff in the world there's bad in the world if we just kind of bury our heads in the sand and pretend it isn't there of course the the not very nice forces the evil forces love love it when people do that because that gives them free reign so i think it's important that we you know we we stand up and unite to say you know uh, don't spoil the environment don't you know do terrorism and, and and things like this and we unite to stop that and equally i think it is important to be passionate about bringing peace about um you know communicating with different cultures 
um, you know, so often it, it, kind of we look at the world's, if you like, what we call the, the traditional religions. Um, it it, it kind of it strikes me as weird, and I know I'm not the only one that, um, you know, sometimes some people throughout history have thought that you have to be this religion or that religion to, if you like, be saved and be accepted by God. And when you when when I kind of look at that and look at the predominance of, if you say, if you look at the Arabic world, well, most people are likely to be Islamic. If you look at the um, uh, American British culture, most of Europe, they're likely to be Christian. It kind of strikes me that, um, you know, God would be a respecter of persons or spirit, whichever term a person wants to use. And I don't think God is like that. I think all paths can lead to God. And I think the more we are passionate about communicating with people from all cultures and all religions and stretching out the hand of friendship, that's when major change happens. Whereas when we when we spend our whole lives, if you like, in a cave up on a mountain, never coming out meeting with people, feeling good about ourselves, but not interacting with people, um, then not much happens in the world. That's correct. That's correct. It seems also that as we waken, if you like, to what, what's really happening, um, the the powers that be are flexing their muscles. It's almost like a last ditch attempt to try and keep us controlled. Um, yeah. But more and more people are sort of waking up. There's been some good examples of that recently. I know that in Iran, the, um, they banned Facebook um, right. because, because of the, you know. The um, the person that's obviously going to go up against the current leader, um, the, all the supporters are on Facebook. They're kind of outside of the main media that's controlled by the current administration. So they've banned Facebook. So they're suppressing that. Um, there's also you know in America and I think pretty much all the way in most countries around the world in December of this year they're going to be bringing out a thing called Codex Alimentarius. All right. Alimentarius, which is supposed to be global legislation um, coming out of the European Union that's going to um, control what foods we can eat. So basically um, controlling the food in such a way that we only get to eat the GM stuff. So that's... where you've got all this healthy, organic and holistic industry, they're looking yeah. to sort of take all that back and you say, no, you have to eat these GM foods, stuff that we give. Fine. So. There's some, some really worrying things that are happening in the pipeline, but that's why I'm, I think it's important that people take action because, for instance, this is a good example, if Joanna Lumley hadn't fought so passionately about the Gurkhas, yeah. they wouldn't be in the country now. So if we, yeah. if we sit there in our bliss, then those guys wouldn't be here now. So you know, likewise, if we sit in our bliss, then, then very soon we won't be eating um, holistic organic foods will be eating GM foods the very stuff that's damaging for us now yeah. there was a wonderful story that I read on, on the internet where a school in America they actually did an experiment in their biology class where they gave some mice junk food and literally after about three or four days of giving these mice junk food they started to become nocturnal they become violent and oh. eventually uh, two of them ate the third mouse mice oh, okay. so they become very very violent and aggressive so what they noticed was that junk food, which is full of all this GM stuff, was affecting yeah. the behaviour of the mice. So they, they did an experiment in the school where they completely revamped all the food um, at lunchtime in the canteen to be all healthy food that didn't cont um, contain GM stuff. And they found within, I think, a few weeks, all the pupils, were their behaviour had just gone through the roof in a positive way. They wow. were all learning, their concentration improved, and they become just a wonderful school. All their grades went through the roof, and fan you know, it's just fantastic. And ever since that, they've been doing this every single year now. But, however, you know, there's the powers that be, or there's people that think they, they've got better knowledge and opinions than us that are in power, who are trying to bring through this GM stuff. And of course, you know, people, a lot of kids are eating junk food and GM food, and there are a lot of kids that are doing crazy mad things. So... If, for instance, that we could just go back to eating healthy food, maybe the world would be a lot better place. You know, I, I think it would be, and I think often what's in the, in the kind of the driving factor between behind a lot of this stuff, of course, is money. Is is there's lots of big business that you know they want to get GM food out there and they want to promote their stuff because it makes money, and they're not really. It's like the tobacco industry. Um, you know, uh, we know it's awful, but it makes lots of people very rich and you know you know that carries on and i guess in many ways that's probably why a lot of this other stuff is you know is, is going on as you've got pressure groups like america there's an incredibly powerful gun lobby um uh, i think it's called the national rifle association or something like that 
Um, and they are very powerful and they influence government. Um, and at the end of the day, money talks. And I think that the system, if you like, is an expression I often use, the system or the powers that be, they don't want things to change because uh, a lot of them, it keeps them in a position of power. There is a pyramidical structure with them at the top and the rest of us maintaining their position. Um, and I suspect the closer we get towards, for want of a better expression, the great change, the more the people that are running the system will kick up a bit of a fuss because they won't want the change to happen. I think they can't stop it. I think it's going to happen. And I think the other side of the change is, is glorious. It's something that we've all looked for for a long time. But I think as we move towards it, those that are in positions of power are going to do their darndest to stop it from happening. Well, it's interesting what the, the half-past human uh, predictions say is that as we move further along the timeline this year, um, more and more key workers from government, NASA, a lot of these very high military organisations, they're going to start losing people. People are going to start being made redundant who would have normally been quite safe in their jobs. And so as these people start losing their jobs, they actually see these people becoming whistleblowers and bringing out the truth of what has been really going on. And that's they kind of see that's how it's all going to break down. So I'm, I'm quite interested because I'm quite excited about the NASA thing as well because... Yes. Um, um, I, I'm a great believer that there's so much more about space and everything that comes with that than what they're trying to, um, what they lead us to believe there is. And yes. um, I, for one, would love NASA to actually come clean about some of the stuff that Richard C. Hoagland has been um, researching. If anyone wants to look into that. So anyway, um, I'm trying to think what else I'd like to discuss. Well, yeah, if I could just kind of touch touch back on if you like, um, something I just kind of alluded to just a few seconds ago, that whilst we are um, living in difficult times, and there's, there's no two ways about it, you know, particularly, I mean, we're, I know it's difficult for us in the West, but kind of when we watch the news and we look at, you know, certain parts of Africa um, and the Middle East and places like that, we're still in a very, very uh, kind of um, uh, protected, if you like, environment compared to those people. Um, but nevertheless, whilst things are difficult in the world, I think it's useful for all of us to keep our eye on the goal that as we as we work together, um, and you know, I, and again, I know I've said it to you before, and I probably maybe even said it on the radio last time. I want to commend you, Ian, um, for the wonderful work that you're doing with promoting the Spirit Guides and with this radio show that you're bringing so much positive information to people. Your own research, your your uh, a very well read and you, you do a lot of research and I've certainly learned a lot from you from your articles that you've written so I think you and people like you um, the more people that there are doing what you're doing and helping to bring this message and to share this information with the world it, it's actually very inspiring because um, I guess the, the system as it's been up until recently you know if people believed in life after death or ghosts people kind of looked on them as if they were a little bit crazy but there's more and more evidence now coming out there you know about life after death or some of the wonderful stuff about quantum physics and mind over matter and because so many level-headed people are kind of doing research on this it's helping to expand people's perceptions about what what is real and what might be real and I think that that's a very positive thing and when we kind of we kind of take this information on board and then look to the fact of the, the message almost doesn't matter what culture a person comes from. Most spiritual traditions talk about a difficult time, but after that difficult time is, is a, you know, kind of like a heaven on earth or a much better society. I think it's really important for us to kind of keep our eye on the ball and realize that what we're working towards together is to help to create this better society. And I think that's really inspiring. It's something that's really worth being passionate about. Yes, that's, that's, thank you very much for the compliment as well. And, and I'm, I so agree with what you're saying there, and I think that everybody has got a piece of the puzzle as mm. well. So not just me, not just Karen, but everybody has that piece of the puzzle. And I think that when we came in, we had this kind of uh, a blueprint of the kind of things we wanted to work on in life, if you like. Not, you know, because we've got free will as well. It's not all set in stone, but it's like a blueprint that helps guide us through the, what we wanted to achieve. And in that blueprint, I, I believe that everyone has got a really good 
piece of the puzzle, a positive action that they could do in the lifetime that's going to do something really wonderful. And it could be that they're just a catalyst for somebody else that leads somebody else to go on and do something wonderful. Yeah. It's like, is it the butterfly effect or something like that? Like yes. an action that I do could be very minute that then leads someone else to do something even greater. And it just goes on and on and on. And eventually, I, th- I think that we're just going to, the change is going to come from all of us individually, just doing our good bits. Yeah, 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 I agree 100%. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's the important message that I'm trying to give across as well, you know, doing these shows and on the website, is that there is a lot of doom and gloom out there, and I think being in the year of transformation, as, as most people have labelled it, it's not all about negativity, it's about there is something better coming, exactly how Kerin has worded it. So I don't want people to be disheartened by some of the prophecies, because um, at the end of the day, they're, just, they're more of a guideline of what could happen. And obviously when we live in, in these times of change, it's, it's so much slower than... Um, what it's perceived to be you know when you see a, a big shock maybe it'd be slow but even if it's not at least we know there's something good coming out of it and as you know to echo what Karen said so many um, philosophies and so much research from people all pointing to the same thing there's something good coming at the end of it Mm. And it's so easy these days, Ian, isn't it, to to be in touch and work together, whereas even just 10, 15 years ago, you know, the internet has moved forward so rapidly that certainly 20 years ago, I mean, we couldn't be communicating like we are now, we couldn't be sharing information like we are now, but in today's world, you know, at the the click of a mouse, uh, we can communicate with thousands of people all across the world. Um, which makes it so much easier for people to, to unite and work together. So we do live in incredible times. It's, it's amazing times. And I, I often think that five years ago, if someone had said to me that I'd be doing this, you'd be having yeah. like mobile phones, I mean, not I mean 10 years ago, not five, but, yeah. you know, you think, no way, you know, it's all, it's all Star Trek kind of stuff, isn't it? But yeah. here we are, you know, we're talking live on the internet. Um, well, not right now, you're listening to us live on the internet. Um, but there's, there's so much... Uh, so much technology that can aid us in this and there's so many light warriors or light workers on the internet just getting the message out there and I know so many people that just sit there emailing people so they read a really good article and then it's across the internet before you can know it and so they're doing their little piece of the puzzle just getting the knowledge out there and you know I think eventually more and more people uh, will, will get into this hopefully um, there's still quite a lot of people that are not. It can be quite frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> we can sound you know, quite crazy. Um, but um, I guess sometimes we do need to be grounded a little bit as well. Um, yeah. And I think more people are going to come on board as time goes by. And I don't think it will be that, that long. I think we're going to see more and more people um, questioning the way the world is. And they're going to be looking for something else. And... Um, as you know, that old saying from the Bible, isn't it? Knock and the door shall be open. And I think the more people that kind of um, start, as you, like you pointed out, they'll be looking to kind of to spirit. And as people do, spirit is just waiting for that that first approach. Um, and well, spirit makes the first approach anyway. But um, you know, as people are starting to look for something, that the answers will be there, and they'll have something to unite with. And of course, I guess the the, the people that have been doing this in advance will almost be like a vanguard they'll have helped to create if you like a a movement or a uh, i've often used the expression a peace revolution to create so that something's in motion so that as people are looking you know they get a sense that they want to do something they they want to be involved in a a different kind of society had if you like the spirit guides not have existed and other people doing similar things, there would be nothing for them if you, if you like to connect to, 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 if you like tune into information quickly. Um, but as it is, because of spirit guides and other websites and you know, other people doing things, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to gather information quickly and they'll have people to unite with, which will make things, I think it'll be almost like an exponential thing, an exponential curve. Suddenly it'll just kind of go whoosh. And um, there will be a lot of people um, kind of working together very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, give it, I think four years ago, spiritual workers were very lonely, weren't they, really? Yes. You had to yeah. go and congregate at the local spiritualist church or go to a meeting um, with a Buddhist group or something like that. And yeah. now, you know, I, I can just sit on the internet and I can just talk to so many like-minded people. It's unbelievable. Um, mm. You know, and the thing is, in my close circle of friends, I have some very close friends that are into this. But kind of outside of that, that's it. 
really right. you know I mean yeah. even in family there's people in the family that believe in spiritual stuff but not to the extent that I believe um, and you know it can be very very lonely but the internet has just opened it up you know you can just talk to some wonderful people online it mm. really really is fantastic I mean is there anything else you can think of to round up before we finish well, no, I think we've covered a lot. I tell you what, I will just give to you. And as we were talking, I got a strong sense of my guides coming through and giving a very big smile, like for this program. It's just like a, a very positive thing. So I got the sense they wanted to share. It's almost like a very beaming, very positive smile. So I just thought I would share that with you. It's a very, a very nice energy, sense of energy I'm getting about that now. So I just give that to you now. That's wonderful. And I'm sure our listeners will be very pleased with that as well. And so, I mean, the way I look at it is that if you... If you're listening to this and it resonates with you, then you know you are part of this journey. You know you're part of the energy that makes this broadcast. And I believe that we're all we do attract the things. So once we're on a spiritual pathway, we're kind of drawn to knowledge, um, whether it's going to be books or ra- uh, radio or audio or anything like that. So it's probably not, it's no accident that you're probably listening to this. There's probably something in this broadcast that was meant for you to hear. So. Um, I think that's a wonderful message anyway to take away with you and also if you're drawn to read anything else then um, you can and also just want to say something else before we go if um, if anybody's got any questions or there's anything they would like to ask in um, any of our shows um, especially this one as well then please feel free to either comment underneath the show or just send us an email because it would be nice to hear if anybody's got any questions um, especially if you want to ask um, Karen anything as well and it's good to get feedback of course because then we know that people are really taking an interest in the show and I had some good feedback from people anyway um, regarding the show as well so um, I know that not everybody likes to comment on the website so but anyway it's been a wonderful show uh, thank you for, for tuning in and um, and if you have got friends that would benefit from hearing this then please feel free to email it to them as well so anyway I'll say um, I'll bring it to a close now and I'll thank you Kerry and ever so much for spending your Sunday evening with me again uh, thank you very on, much Ian, on, uh, it's been online. a pleasure <laughs> and, and thanks to everybody else as well for tuning in and listening, it makes it all worth it thank you very much indeed Okay. well thank you very much Kerry. Au revoir Bye. <laughs>